You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item so you get one free item for penis havers one free item for vulva havers one free item for couples and then you also get six free movies from the adameve.com website you can get your favorite porn or an educational film i love free movies they're so awesome this is such a great deal and then on top of that you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So to redeem this great offer, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to adameve.com, you're gonna go to checkout, and you're gonna type in darkpod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're gonna get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're gonna get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to adameve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language 
content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between, or all things disability. I don't know. It's it's become a mishmash of a show, but I love that you're here. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, y'all. Oh, yeah. My name is Andrew Gerza. I'm your host. Hey, what up? Nice to see you. Now let's get started. First things first, if you want to support the show in any way, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or $5 a month to keep the show up and running. Really, really appreciate the support of all the Patreons that have done that. It means a lot to me and it helps me keep things afloat here. Uh, Thank you so much if you want to... Also, leave a review on the iTunes or the Apple Music or the Apple Apple Podcasts or all the things that where you do the things. That would be great. It would. I just want to make sure that people know about the show, and I would love your support. But also, let me know where I can improve and how I can make the show better. Uh, that would also mean a lot too. So, thank you so much for your support. But now, for real, on to today's show. For this episode, I wanted to do something a little bit different. You heard me say, and you've heard me say on the show that I want to do different kind of episodes and episodes that are not what we usually hear and things we don't usually talk about and like different type of show ideas. So that's what today is going to be. And a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, I wanted to put together a whole different type of podcast called the Disability History Podcast. And I did one episode and I did one show that... I was really happy with it, was really proud of. I, I produced the whole series, had podcast art, started a whole new podcast feed, started a whole new show, did all this stuff with it, and then no one listened. And I was like, oh, well, that's shitty. No one, no one really, it didn't catch on like I wanted it to, and it didn't catch on like um, Disability After Dark did. And I was like, well, that's crappy. So... I had to let it die because nobody was listening and I produced one more episode after that and nobody really seemed to care and it didn't go anywhere. So I let it go. I let it die and I was like, okay, I'm going to just focus on Disability After Dark and growing that brand. But I thought since I am working on expanding things out and I have you as a lovely listening audience to listen to my rambling on once a week, I thought I would take the notes from that episode that I did and turn them into an episode for this show because... Then you don't have to do a whole new podcast, but I thought it would be really cool to share that with you and share kind of that that episode with you. So I couldn't find the recording. I deleted it. So I, had, I have the notes from that show that I'm going to turn into an episode for today. And uh, I'm really kind of stoked about it because I love disability history. I love having those discussions and I love learning about our past and so this was a really 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 cool passion project of mine and I'm happy to bring it to you now. On the very first episode of this show that I produced I wanted to look at the history of the word cripple. Now I want to preface this by saying that I know some of you have feelings about that language. I know some of you may find that language rather offensive but I want to talk about that word 
because I am fascinated by how we got to a place where cripple is a is language that we would use to describe people with disability. I, I want to understand where it came from, why it became so controversial, and why it became so divisive, and I want to understand where and why that happened. I also think looking at the etymology of words to describe disability is vitally important so that we can understand our our relationship to disability, and that's kind of what I wanted to do here. Now, if you're a regular listener of this show, you've probably heard me talk about how I use the word cripple quite regularly to describe myself, and I've explained kind of why I feel that it's an important part of my my experience, and I, I think we've talked about that before. Um, and if you are a disabled person and you're listening to this, it stands to reason that at some point in your experience of disability, the word has been used to label, describe, and categorize you, and it probably didn't feel super great when it happened to you, right? I remember the very first time I was called a cripple and what that felt like for me, and I'll, I'll kind of share that story. I was 13 and I was at summer camp, oddly enough, a summer camp for disabled kids, which I think I've talked about in a previous episode. And one of the campers and I got into a fight over something silly and unimportant, as kids often do. And I remember we were hanging out outside and he said to me, you can't stand up because you are crippled. And I remember feeling super uncomfortable and I remember feeling immediately really angry and really sad all at once. And I had this hot white rage in my chest as he as he said it. And I was 13 and I was like, what did he just say? I know that word is bad. I don't know what it means, but I know that word is bad. Now, to be fair, I was 13. It was the late 90s. And I was probably saying something equally rude because I thought I was a badass, and I thought I was really cool. But that's enough about my own personal therapy session and about my childhood, and now let's talk about the word cripple today. But but I wanted to share with you how I felt when I was called cripple for the first time. Doing my extensive research for this episode, and by research, again, I mean by extensively going on the Google machine and typing in cripple a bunch of times, Trying to find info on this word, I discovered that the word cripple and its derivatives go way back. Um, they definitely have some deep-seated historical significance that I want to talk about. And I wanted to uncover and explore what the word meant, what were its roots, and what were the ways the word cripple was used throughout history. So, let's do that. It turns out the word cripple, C-R-I-P-P-L-E, is a Proto-Germanic word from 950 AD. It derives from the word krupilas, spelled K-R-U-P-I-L-A-Z, and can also be spelled C-R-E-P-L-E, crepple. It can mean to be less mobile due to injury or illness. It can also be spelled Krypel, C-R-Y-P-E-L, and has a big connections to the word creep. So we can see why disabled people might not like the word, because it does have historical connections to the word creep. It's also connected to the word crawl, crumb, shrimp, creepy crawly, which I found really weird when I was doing research for that, that it was connected to creepy crawly. 
Um, but you can see really quickly how the word can hold some really negative connotations. There's an old English word that I can't pronounce, but I'm going to try. It's called eopcrypal, E-O-R-P-C-Y-R-P-E-L, aerocrypal, which means paralyzed person. There's also a word paralyticus that was sometimes connected to or used in conjunction with the word cripple. And there was some speculation in one of the texts that I was looking at that suggested that this also meant Eurocripple and Paralyticus meant person close to the earth. That explains why every drawing, every old drawing that depicted the word cripple was people on the ground or people suffering. So it does have really strong connections to suffering, illness, death, pain, um, just people looking really unhappy. And I'll, I'll re-find those pictures and I'll put them up on the Disability After Dark feed. But it does definitely have some really strong connections to language that is really makes disabled people look sad and pitiable. So I, I understand immediately looking at this that it can be... It's a really, really problematic word. And, and the history is really, really problematic. The term aerocripple may have held poetic meaning, which meant that somebody could was somebody that only could move their body along the, the, the ground with their hands. So in a lot of poetry, they would say things like aerocripple and talk about how they could only move their, hand, their body along with their hands. So it was used as a poetic device sometimes to describe somebody that could not really walk. And so... I mean, that's sort of positive, right? That it was in poetry around, you know, in, in in the way to describe somebody and the way they can only move with their hands. I mean, the fact that it was in poetry doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing, but it means that it was so common that they had language for it. Um, there was also speculation, according to one scholarly piece that I found, to suggest that Ario referred to a pre-Christian and possibly Celtic healing ritual, healing ritual, so rather for Mother Earth. So when it says aerial cripple, it could also mean like that this person could be healed if they stayed close to the Earth. So that's kind of cool. So there is also some positive connotations for cripple throughout history. Not they're not super positive, but they are there. In the English language of the 18th century, it was first recorded as an abusive term in 1785 because a sixpence coin, which was often bent, was referred to as a cripple. But for the most part, Anglo-Saxons in that time period around the 18th century, 17th century, used the term cripple as a practical descriptor, something along the lines of, that gentleman over there is a cripple. They would just say it off the cuff, which I think is kind of cool because it wasn't something that was imbued with all this negativity negativity necessarily. It was just a practical descriptor. If you had if you had a limp, if you had uh, if you were somebody that couldn't walk, you were just called a cripple. It was just oh, you're just a cripple, and I think that's 
really kind of interesting because it shows that the word crippled just became part of the narrative. And I think it shows how quickly ableist viewpoints can become entrenched in the culture. William Shakespeare himself used the term cripple in a lot of his his plays to denote people with deformities and people who were moving slow. And so we see this in plays like Richard III, The Merchant of Venice, um, and other other plays he put on used the word cripple a lot to denote somebody with a with a different moving body. So I think that's just really interesting to note that the word cripple has been around and, and does have a long history of being used to describe people with disabilities. The word cripple is also featured in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary to describe somebody with a disability. Uh, it says that it's, it's A, sometimes offensive, a lame or partly disabled person or animal. So immediately again, we see that negative connotation of the word popping up, but it's still in there today, and it's still being used pretty widely today in the in the dictionary. So I think we need to be aware that that there there's reasons why it's so so offensive. Because even now in the dictionary, when I'm when I typed it in, it's still there. So it does hold years and years since 950 uh, A.D. of of describing. A disabled person in a in an in a unsavory way. I did kind of like this though. It is it is noted in the dictionary that it's also something flawed or imperfect, and I think that's kind of important when we look at disability and we talk about disability rights because so much so much of our experience being disabled people is not perfect and not. Oh, it doesn't always go the right way, so I kind of like that, but it's still in the dictionary is something that isn't necessarily positive. So that's that's the problem, that it's, you can type it in the dictionary and it's there as a negative word for disability. And it's immediately connected to disability. You may even be surprised to note that there were some hospitals in the world that used the term cripple for and crippled in their names and in the way they were described as a hospital. One of the hospitals in Toronto that I went to as a young disabled kid, and many of us went to in Toronto and in Canada to receive treatment and physical therapy and all those things, from 1957 to the mid-1980s, this hospital was known as the Ontario Crippled Children's Centre, or the OCCC, and... Um, that's just what it was called, and that's just that was that was an accepted terminology way into the 20th century. And there were also the Shriners Hospital was once known as a crippled children's center, and there was also a hospital in New Zealand that used the term crippled. So it's interesting how common the phrase became, with with given the history and how negative it was, how common crippled was put into even 20th century language. The more and more I looked, the more and more there were places in Alberta, hospitals in Alberta that were, that had, there was one in Alberta called the, um, the Red Cross Crippled Children's Center. There was one in Vancouver 
called the uh, the Vancouver Hospital for Crippled Children. So it really, the word crippled, crippled and crippled really permeated, um, permeated the culture well into the 20th century. And it wasn't always seen as bad. It was just a fact. These kids were crippled. They needed help. That's the hospitals were for. But as I've, as I've outlined, there were so many issues with the word crippled and how negative it can be that it, I'm glad all those places were changed, but it just was part of the culture. Around the time of the disability rights movement, the word obviously started to fall out of favor and people stopped using it because of the the offensive nature of the word and how people were feeling about it. But I do believe there's been a resurgence of the word, uh, resurgence of the word cripple and, and some new agency brought to it that I wanted to bring to light. And I wanted to share with you some people who use the word cripple as a form of empowerment for themselves, kind of like what I do with the word cripple. So let's look at some of those people right now. The term crip has been used since the 1960s uh, to kind of discuss the importance of disability pride and was really picked up during the disability rights movement. Um, the term is used in crip theory, social movements such as hashtag crip the vote, artistic movements like crip hop nation, and major media upcoming documentary like crip camp. So, it, I mean, it's all over. Crip is really, really an important term that says, you know, we are disabled and we're proud of being disabled, and it's been reclaimed by a lot of, lot of people. Um, it's been shortened to take away the, neg the negativity of the word cripple. Sometimes it's even been used as a verb, as in cripping something, which means applying a disability justice lens to that thing. So we see this a lot in things like cripping the arts, Cripping gender, cripping sexuality, all that stuff has been a way to put disability justice into things. One of the things that I like about the term crip is that there, it, people want to use the term crip to have a unified terminology for all kinds of disabilities, thus avoiding the disability hierarchy that we talk about a lot of the, a lot of the time on this show where someone's disability is better than someone else's disability. So by using CRIP, you can denounce that hierarchy and, and smash that hierarchy. So I kind of like that a lot, actually. There is a fantastic essay by Nancy Mares, who wrote an essay called On Being a Cripple, which outlines her experiences on why she chooses the word cripple. And I loved it so much. I just read it just now before recording this. And it's really important because it speaks to why cripple is such an important term for her and what it means for her and why she chose it as her language. And I want to read you a little excerpt of it because it really, really, it really illuminates why cripple is important to her. And so I want to just share it with you. First, the matter of semantics. I am a cripple. I choose this word to name me. I choose from among several possibilities, the common of which are handicapped and disabled. I made the choice a number of years ago without thinking, unaware of my motives for doing so. Even now, I'm not sure what those motives are, but I recognize that they are complex and not entirely flattering. People, crippled or not, wince at the word cripple as they do not at handicapped or disabled. Perhaps I want them to wince. 
I want them to see me as a tough customer, one to whom the fates, gods, viruses have not been kind, but who can face the brutal truth of her existence squarely. As a cripple, I swagger. As somebody who uses the term cripple quite regularly to describe myself as Andrew, I love that she says, as a cripple, I swagger, because it gives her power. It makes it gives her a chance to feel like she can shock somebody. I mean, maybe she wants somebody to be shocked, and maybe she wants somebody to feel uncomfortable around her because they they'll feel that way anyway, no matter what language they use. So maybe she wanted them. She wants to to. Instead of feeling sorry for herself, she wants to play play into their game a little bit, and I kind of love that, and I kind of thought that that, um, that paragraph was really important. I'll put a link to where you can read the rest of it, because it's just so powerful, and it's such, such a really cool way of looking at the word cripple. I'm going to read another quick excerpt, excerpt, because it's just so great, and I want to read some more to you, and, and I just think it's cool. She then goes on to say, but... To be fair to myself, a certain amount of honesty underlies my choice. Cripple seems to me a clean word, straightforward and precise. It has an honorable history, having made its first appearance in the Lindisfarne Gospel in the 10th century. As a lover of words, I like the accuracy with which it describes my condition. I have lost the full use of my limbs. Disabled, by contrast, suggests any incapacity, physical or mental. And I certainly don't like handicapped, which implies I have been deliberately put at a disadvantage by whom I can't imagine, my God, I suppose. In order to equalize the chances in the great race of life, these words seem to me to be a moving away from my condition, to be widening the gap between the word and reality. I think that's so fascinating, and I'm so fascinated by the way she purposefully and distinctly chose that language to describe herself and why words like disabled and handicapped don't resonate for her, but crippled does in relation to exactly her disability, and I think that's super powerful. So you should seriously read this article because it's there's so many gems in here as to why the word cripple is important for her. There are a lot of other blogs and a lot of other people who have echoed the sentiment that if cripple makes somebody else uncomfortable, they want to use that word. And I'll admit, when I started using the word cripple, I kind of liked the idea that it would make somebody uncomfortable too, and it would make them really think differently about how they talk to me, and they would it would make them feel weird. And I was like, good for you for feeling weird. Fuck you, you ableist. And now it's become something that I use not so much to make somebody feel uncomfortable, but to make them pay attention to what I want to say, to use that discomfort to sit up and take notice to what I'm actually talking about, which is usually systemic ableism, systemic discrimination, um, how to be inclusive. And when I use the word cripple, it makes you stop and pay attention to what I'm saying. And I just think that it there is power in the word. And I love the idea that I'm able to take some of that power back and say, here's who I am. I'm a cripple. Please see me that way. And I have trouble convincing friends of mine who I really care about to use that terminology because of its of its deep-seated history, which we've talked about. But I think when somebody with a disability asks you to use the word cripple to describe them, they're really saying, 
I want you to see me for who I am, and I want you to see why this is important to me. So consider that if you're non-disabled and your disabled friend asks you to use that term, please think about why they, why they have chosen you to use that language to describe them. I think if you're a non-disabled person and your disabled friend says, I want you to call me a cripple, it's a big fucking honor and you should be very proud to be in that stead because it means they thought a lot about you, they thought a lot about who you are, they thought a lot about your relationship and your friendship and they, they said, I want to include you in this. Please see me this way. And that, that means a lot to, to them to have you call them that, that way. One of the things that I would love to hear from you is how the word cripple makes you feel if you're disabled. Does it make you feel squidgy? Does it make you feel awkward? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Are you like, oh my god, Andrew, why would you do an episode on the word cripple? How dare you? How does it make you feel? And I'd love for you to write in and let me know your thoughts on cripple and I'll read it in a, in a, in a minisode or an episode or something and just talk about what that means for you because I think... I'm just pulling up stuff that I got from the internet and I'm reading what other people think, but I'd love to hear from my listeners what cripple means for them because I think there's so many views on that and I think it's important that we talk about it. I'm also going to do a, a bunch of different episodes on different language around disability and look at the history of that because I think it's really cool and I think it's important that we have these discussions. So I'm going to do more and more on that. Um, and, and I hope you enjoyed this little episode and I hope you want me to do more history stuff, write in and tell me the kind of history stuff you want me to review or talk about on the show, and we'll do that, because I want to I wanna give you more content, and I think disability history is so, so fascinating. Alright friends, well, thanks for listening to this new episode of Disability After Dark, um, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. Bye. Alright friends, this has been another edition of Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. I'm of course your number one queer cripple and your disabled Dick Smith host, Andrew Gerza. If you like what you heard today and you want to follow my work and find out more about what I do, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast directly, you can head over to Twitter and punch in DisAftDarkPod and follow us there. If you want to contact the show with a show idea, a guest idea, a comment, or a complaint, you can head over to your email and email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to this latest edition of Disability After Dark, and we'll be here to shine a bright light on more things really soon. Thanks, everybody. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020